What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. This week, Zach's stranded on a rock, and Sean's staring into the light, because we're watching The Lighthouse. If I had a steak, I would fuck it. What's up, guys? I'm Sean. I'm Sean. I'm Sean. Oh, wait. I'm Zach. I lied. We're both John. That's right. We are both John. You guys can't see us, but we're staring at each other intensely. Anyways, (laughs) this week, both of us Johns are watching 2019's drama fantasy horror film, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is rated R. Oh, I love that sound so much. We're gonna Every get into fucking it. ten seconds. We're gonna get into it. So movie's rated R. It runs an hour forty nine minutes. It was directed and written by Robert Eggers. We know him from the Vivage, the Witch. Hey, Max Eggers helped write it. He did help write it. So yeah, he had his brother help him on this one. His brother did not work on the Witch. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie's IMD rating is. A, the movie's IMDb rating is 7.9. It had a budget of $4 million. And Zach, did this movie make money or lose money? This movie made a lot of money. It did make a lot of money. <laughs> this movie made $18 million. How could it not? Willem Dafoe, Rob Pattinson, you know, a, a Dream Team. You know, I agree with you. Batman and, versus the Green Goblin. And I'll say this. Just looking at the opening of this film, you have A24, mm-hmm. you have Robert Eggers, mm-hmm. you have Robert Pattinson, right. and you have Willem Dafoe. That alone, right there, you have a solid film. If okay, if maybe I mean, you're you got not a solid cast it, and a solid like, you know, uh, crew. I, I, here's yeah. Let me let me actually take that back and say you have a solid piece of art. <laughs> That's what I will say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's kind of get into this a little bit. The synopsis on this movie is: a man begins to work at a lighthouse, but begins to lose touch with reality when isolation and an untrusty lighthouse keeper begins to play tricks on his mind. Ooh, weird shit. Yeah, this movie is uh, some weird shit. And we're going to get into some other weird shit about this movie that I still don't think I understand. And I've got some things that maybe will uh, widen your perspective on that, too. I hope so. We'll Um, see. Because I don't know what you're talking about yet. So I brought up um, the names behind this film. I'm going to say now, too, if you're not familiar with this movie, somehow, if if you don't know, this film was shot on 35mm in black and white. Ooh. And it has a 119 to 1 aspect ratio, making it almost a square. Yeah. So this, immediately, you're not getting what uh, you'd get from a normal cinematic uh, released film. It looks like a, it looks like they somehow restored an old movie. Exactly. That's the best way to say it. And I will say, since they decided to go black and white, I'm really glad they used film stock because... When you use black and white film stock, you don't get all the weird gray architects that you get, or architects, uh, artifacts. Yeah. <laughs> you find all these architects working on this film. No, <laughs> uh, you don't get all the artifacts that you would get from, uh, you know, converting colored Right, film when you see that, like, gray ghost kind of appear yeah. in the black, and you're like, what? Exactly. What I couldn't that? I couldn't quite think of a way to describe it, but that's what it is. And the this phantoms. Movie, this movie showcases the contrast of black and white so well. And... That's it's crazy at it, like what it does. I, I immediately like realized like every shot and frame of this film feels like a painting. Yeah. Every one. Cause there's a lot of static shots where the camera is not moving at all. Yeah. And, and I really love it. Okay. So, um, I'm going to ask you right off the bat, if this is maybe what you were getting at Proteus and Prometheus. Yes. Okay. Although we, I don't know the Proteus part. Okay. Well, let's, Talk about shit. Now, I, now you know the easy shit, and I'm like, oh fuck, wow. No, I I know this much about. Uh, here's well, let me give the audience a little bit of backstory on why I brought those names up. Robert Eggers said that this film was him taking the legends of Proteus and Prometheus and playing with them. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, we're not seeing a direct translation of these characters, right. or their mythology, but it's there. Yeah, and I. By the end of the story, think I understood a little bit the Prometheus stuff. But okay. I, I could have this backwards, though. And I realized halfway no, you, through this you movie... No, you probably got it. If you know the story of Prometheus, you probably got it. 
ish. But here's the thing. Proteus is where this gets me confused. And I don't know Proteus. Proteus, um, I have a very surface level understanding. This is for me looking at this up this afternoon. So mm-hmm. Proteus is a, sh- a shape-shifting um, sort of like god of water or like symbol of water. Okay. So the reason I bring up my confusion is the first half of this movie, I thought Willem Dafoe's character was Prometheus. Oh. But then halfway through, they heavily allude to him being Proteus. Once you know just those few things that I just said about Proteus. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bit for sure. Right. One scene specifically, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So that made me kind of question it. Because my my question here, and maybe I should wait till the end and we should ask, we should address this again. But was how is Robert Pattinson's character Prometheus? I will tell you, and we should save it for the Let's end. Let's wait till the end. We'll, we'll address this again at the end. Um, so right off the bat with this film, I already kind of told you the black and white stuff. So if that doesn't throw you off, the score will. The mm-hmm. score is unsettling as shit, but I love it. Because it's mostly natural sound. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah, foghorn. They also seem to use... Leghorn. I say, I say, I say, hey, they used a lot of like the sounds of machinery of, of the time, you know, time appropriate, Yeah, like click, like ticking and clanking and jangling gears, things -hmm. like that to almost make, um, like rhythm to make like different rhythms. It was very musical, but it was in the background and it was cool because when this starts, it's not very in your face. I mean, the foghorn is, but the musical aspect of the clanking is very stuff, subtle. Right. By the end of the film, it is loud noise. Yeah, which I definitely noticed that. I had my TV way up watching this, which last night I couldn't really do that. Um, at least at first I was able to. So, like, towards the end, I wasn't. But, like, yeah, yeah it gets fucking loud. Now, and the like the talking is so quiet even right. though they like sometimes they fucking yell at each other. I would even if you can hear it okay, I absolutely uh, recommend you watch this with subtitles You're even though that's them. something I hate. But well, because that- to under to help understand like how they speak in this time frame too, like well, sure. So uh, they say some old timey stuff. That ties back to Robert Eggers and the Witch, right? Mm-hmm. Um he's very particular about using time appropriate and uh or i should say period appropriate and location appropriate accents yeah so in the uh in the vivid or the witch they used uh this sort of colonial new england who calls it vivid stop saying that if you do don't don't say that it's it's the witch sure right we all know so they they (laughs) use this colonial um uh new england accent yeah and this it's more of a like 50s would you say forties, fifties? I I wanted to ask you what the era was because you're the one, you're the brain on fucking time and history. So I don't quite know. I mean, they're using a lot of coal and stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, it seems like like right, like uh, you know, like the forties so or something. Yeah, I would say the forties. I would say maybe the forties is good. Uh, is good. So maybe uh, even the thirties. Sure. So early, I don't know shit about the thirties. What happened in that between the twenties and the forties, you know, world war two. Oh, well (laughs) I I consider the forties. I guess that's when it ended though, too. The great depression. uh, Right. Okay. You know, all the boring shit, you know, pretty much. I mean, the sad, sad shit, just a bunch of stupid shit about America, (laughs) whatever. Um, so yeah, this would be like early 20th century. Mm -hmm. I would assume. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they what the score is cool because or actually let me refrain from that. The period appropriate dialogue and the thick New England accents. Yes. Uh they still have this in this. It's something he brought back. Mm-hmm. But these guys are I would assume off of a coast of like Maine. Yeah, something like it's that. Kind of what it looks like, right? So uh yeah, it is a little bit hard to understand what some some of the stuff that they're saying. You do at least I did sort of start to kind of understand it a little better throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You sort of catch on. Uh Yeah, and so the score though, it gets uh like I said a little more loud and manic by the end of the film, and I think it's a great um examination of like isolation driving someone crazy. Yeah. 
because like those noises start to really like get to him. He starts to really pay attention to them because everything else is his senses become overwhelmed. Right. From, right. from lack of stimulation. And I actually wrote that I wrote lack of stimulation and too much stimulation <laughs> is something that we see in this film that like drives him nuts. Uh, yeah. You see some money shots sort of, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll get into the story a little bit. So Robert Pattinson, I wrote their names their real names throughout this because they use their last names and then you find out well i mean we'll get into it a little well, bit. well there's but, tom who right. you don't find out until like halfway through the movie is thomas wake right and then you have um howard is that what he tells him to call him no he tells him to call him ephraim winslow oh winslow, or winston right. or no winslow. winslow um but i forget what he says his name is before that no, that's what he says his name is when uh, when he gets there. But then he ends oh, up... Oh, Winslow. Yeah. And then, but because he calls him boy and laddie and dog, right. he's like, call me by my name, Ephraim Winslow. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so he, when he first gets there, they sort of have a weird, like, introduction to each other-ish thing. And Robert Pattinson finds a carved mermaid in his bed. Right. And this is like... This is interesting. So if you, depending on how literally you look at this movie, this could either be the introduction to somebody's an idea that sort of spreads to delusion, mm-hmm. or it could be foreshadowing for what something that's actually happening. Yeah, it's hard to tell, and yeah. it's like it's also kind of both. And one well, with this being an art film, right? It is hard to know because it could all be metaphor or it could all be literal. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm going to say again to um, Robert Eggers, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, to his strengths, he used oh. he used costuming really well in this. Yeah. And something I want to say is, like, both of our actors in this film, you lose the actor to their character pretty quick. Yeah. With the way that they're made up and dressed. That's one thing I really like this mo- about this movie, and maybe, like, uh, this movie is something where it's like, this is like the pinnacle of good acting. Okay. Cause like, there's n- not really any bad acting here when there's you, none. when you watch them, especially when, um, Rob Pattinson's, uh, character like goes off kind of more towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and he's like shaking and he's like in the moment and they have, the, they have these fucking long winded parts where they just fucking go on and they might pause and then they go on again. And it's like, it, it just, it's very cohesive feeling. And it's just like, it's good. And that's, that's something I want to maybe like, maybe I should just say it now. Like regardless of the score I, I give this movie, it's an incredibly impressive, uh, like artifact, right. Or like piece of art or media, like looking at it. Uh, even though I can also appreciate that, like, and I'll say this now, this movie's not for everybody. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people would be really turned off by this movie. And it and it also is not, I don't know, I have a hard time with this one. Maybe we should talk about the advertising for this for a minute. Because I think a lot of people got the wrong idea from the advertising. And They were expecting some like Scorsese film or something, right? Or something right, with a little more action or maybe a direct horror film. I don't know, but it's it's hard... It's hard to like get into that because this movie, no, like seeing it retroactively, looking at the trailer, it's like no, it's actually it's pretty good. This was your first time watching it too, right? Yeah, totally. This is my second time, and this was this was your pick as well. This we was my say. pick. So, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I think this is a good example of people like creating an expectation for something before going into it because. And also, and also <laughs> something having, we talked about recently. <laughs> yeah, totally. But also, an uh, an argument could be made for maybe the expectation that like movie theater movies or cinema movies uh, have created for viewers. Yeah, because people now kind of expect a thing when they go to the theater. I think it's like a case by case scenario, though. Too, it depends on the person. And I also think that this movie got a lot of the same criticism that The Witch got. 
Did the witch get bad criticism? Cause Can't understand what the guys are saying. The movie's too slow. A lot of people didn't like that movie. The only thing for me was that, yeah, it was hard to fucking understand them, but I was, like, so, like, wrapped into that movie. I think that that movie... And it scared me, too. Like, there was a part where, like, I looked away because I thought it was going to be something, like, honestly really scary. Yeah. And then it, uh, you know, whoever I was watching it with was like, yeah, nothing happened. You just <laughs> see her face and it's normal. And I was like, oh. And that's the thing, like... Much like this movie, he Robert Eggers is able to make like terror that's real, and I think that that's what people aren't used to. Yeah, they want like the over the top terror that comes with a horror film, right? Or like the slasher chasing people, or mm-hmm. the the ghost appearing and scaring somebody, and you don't really get that in these movies. But you get a type of horror that is situational. Like if you were in that position, it would be horrifying. That's the thing is, I feel like people lack the ability to, like, step in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Because people always say, oh, oh, I, would, I wouldn't I would do that. I'd do this. It's like, would you, though? Well, like, right. Like, in that situation, like, you don't would know. you? Yeah, you'd probably fucking freeze up. So there's something that I've noticed um, recently. I've been on, like, a, a raid, like, this weird raid reading a lot of books. I've mm-hmm. been reading a lot. And I think that... People, Breaking a mental sweat. Yeah, well, a little bit. But I think people Oops. have lost their ability to put themselves into the narrative the way you are almost forced to when you're reading. When you're reading something. Sure. Because when you're reading, you have to create a lot of that information for yourself. Not um, in maybe a way you don't expect, right? Because you're kind of placing yourself in the position and sort of creating this environment with what information is given you. But a lot of the time you are filling in the blanks with your with your own head and you don't yeah. realize it. And that's why people get disappointed when like source material is translated into film, right? Because it's not what I wanted it to be. Well, because you read it and expected something else. Right. You saw it. Or they expect way. like exactly what they read right. and want to see that come to life, which like I can understand that. But it's like, well, but then you're going to have the people that are like, it's the same thing. Right. Exactly. It's yeah, how yeah. do you. So anyways, yeah, I, I think that that's something that Robert Eggers movies are suffering from with the audience. Or maybe I should say maybe that's something the audience are suffering from because I think these movies are so cohesively made. Yeah. But I also have to keep a general audience in mind when I score the movie. If you want. I, I mean, mean, I try to, I should say. Sure. Because we're we're talking about rec- recommendation ultimately, right? Like how how we would want to give people our opinion and so that they could say, see our opinion and go, Oh, maybe I should watch that then or not watch that. Well, and that's why like, I'm okay with my score ultimately being a little biased, but like, you know, like, well, if you gave me a couple people who like, I kind of knew their movie taste, I would either recommend it or not recommend it to them. So let me expound upon this idea a little bit to explain myself too. Um, one of my favorite books and movies are A Clockwork Orange. Yep. I know this. To me, five out of five for both of them for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. With that being said, it would be really hard for me to say five out of five recommend to anybody. Because, like, as much as I do appreciate them, I know that they're both very hard or large pills to swallow yeah. for a lot of people. <clears throat> and and I... I can empathize with that. So I, I have to keep that in mind sort of at the end of the day. So that's sort of where I'm coming from when I scored this movie at the end of the episode too. So maybe, maybe that's, I feel like I should elaborate on that because I do think this movie is like really good. Right. Like as far as a piece of created content, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I'm going to give it the best score. I'm really hinting at this already, but we'll get into it. I guess we should get through this. Um, okay. So, yeah, we find out that Robert Pattinson's character doesn't really drink when Willem Dafoe kind of toasts him the first night that they have dinner together. Yeah, and he hits him straight up with the peer pressure. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and so Robert Pattinson does the big dick swinging move, pours it out, and then pours himself some water in the same cup and then comes over and toasts him. And I was like, oh, that's baller to be like, okay, if you're going to play this fucking game, let's do it then. Yeah. But then he drinks the water and it's like disgusting. Yeah. Which later on, which I'm kind of confused about this. So we see him do like a ton of chores, a ton of chores. And this is where the overwhelming isolation starts to like kind of like appear with him. But one of the chores is he takes this bag of this weird white sanding looking stuff and he pours it into this like disgusting, what looked to me like waste. 
Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> later when he, he's pouring himself water, it comes out like black in the house. Yeah. And then he goes out to that same area and there's the dead bird in it. Yeah. As if like that's the explanation for why the water's gross. But then I was like, oh, what is he pouring in this disgusting water that they were like drinking? It could be something to like kind of cleanse the water. Yeah, maybe. I guess I don't know enough, but I was like, that's fucking gross. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know. I, I don't remember him pouring the glass of black water, though. Uh, it's a little bit. We'll, we'll get into when that happens. I don't want to talk about it yet because it's a bit of a spoiler. Um, okay. I'll bring it back up in a little bit. I'm just saying I don't personally remember sure. watching it in the movie last night. So uh, this is when we kind of immediately start seeing Willem Dafoe's character staring into the light. And he's like undressing before it. And, and yeah. Robert Pattinson sees him. Yeah, he watches him. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. And um, uh, Robert Pattinson also uh, he ultimately ends up walking into the ocean because he sees like a body. Which, this was fucking crazy, the visuals in this. It's really cool, because it's like they're showing um, the area of sand being, like, like the water is going away from it as into a, uh, as to entice him to it. it looked- and, like, yeah, it looks like there's a body there. And so he's, like, walking into it. But then when we see him every time, he's getting deeper and deeper in water, right. even though what he's looking at is, like, void of water. Now, th- it's so weird because... The water moves away from the object in a way that looks like if you were at a play. So you imagine there's a play, and then you have four separate people with, like, water cut out on cardboard. Yeah. And then they all spread apart yeah. to the corners of the stage, and it looked like these physical <clears throat> cardboard pieces moving away. It looked like this in the movie. It was weird as shit. I didn't really notice that. It was so fucking weird. Hmm. But it was one of the cooler effects I've ever seen. And it's so subtle, but, like, it reminded me a lot of Midsummer. Yeah. Midsommar, whatever. Uh, with the the visual effects in that, how subtle they were, but, like, everything was sort of moving and breathing and, like... Because, you know, they're tripping the whole time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... He, when he walks out into the water, though, he, like, falls in and there's a mermaid. Yeah. Uh, but then he wakes up. Which, he wakes up to some fucking screeching. Yeah. and The, uh, the siren. And it was a dream, question mark, which... <laughs> That's important because these, like, different themes sort of keep coming back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he keeps doing all the shit work, kind of literally. <laughs> and and we see, like, how progressively awful this work gets for him throughout the movie as the weather changes and gets bad. Yeah. Uh, he ends up pulling a vat up the stairs of the lighthouse with what I'm assuming is gasoline. Bro, it's you're oil. doing it wrong, buddy. It's oil. You should be pushing it from the bottom. You're going to fuck your back up doing that. That looked awful. Yeah. Uh, which then he gets to the top and uh, he gets told basically like, just don't go up there. The guy like, and, and WD, uh, WD, uh, Willem Dafoe's being such a fucking dick to him. Well, he, he shows him like a smaller canister. He's like, oh, next time bring this. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, take that oil drum back downstairs because uh, otherwise you're going to burn the whole light house down. Which it's like, fuck. Yeah, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And he gives that look too. Like, he's just like, oh, fuck this guy. It, Rob Panson already fucking hates it there from the second he walks in. Yeah, totally. Dude, that would suck. Um, so then they eat together the second night. And this time Robert Pattinson drinks with him to the toast. Yeah, he begins his drinking. Yeah, um, he he also kind of begins this argument by saying that drinking he he kind of cuts Willem Dafoe off and tells him that drinking keeps sailors stupid. Yeah, because he's trying to say it keeps him courageous and like all this stuff, and that starts this little argument before them. And this is the start of arguments between them. Yeah, they pretty much don't stop fighting. It's like an this. old married couple, you know. <laughs> totally. Um, uh. Yeah, in this argument, Willem Dafoe also tells him that it's bad luck to kill a seabird. And and Robert Pattinson tells him that he's a lying old fool. Well, he tells him because he saw him throw a rock at a seagull earlier, which was in the way of his wheelbarrow when he was trying to get, like, into this house. And that's that's something that happens, too, a couple times. The birds are fucking with him. Yeah. Um, Which was brutal where that leads. Yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, then we we get another weird shot with the bird actually immediately after that where Robert Pattinson's in bed and he's a, he's woken up by a, a seagull that comes up and pecks at the window. Yeah. That fucking ear, well, it was eerie because it lands and then just pecks at the window twice and then flies off. Yeah. How the fuck did he direct the birds in this movie? <laughs> um, I Well, I know the part where he like fucking obliterates one has to be a prop, you know, like, but a pretty good prop. Dude, the transition though. I know. But because like. Because it's. Because he grabs it and hits before they cut. It's seamless, but, like, it has to be a prop. I was, like, for a moment, convi- I was like, he might have just killed a real fucking bird, dude. <laughs> it was fucked up. It was pretty crazy, but I, uh, I don't think they'd allu- they do that. I was not trying not to allude to that, but, dude, fuck. It's so brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... They're just like, they just wrote it off. They're like, no one cares about seagulls. Just go ahead and like fuck this thing <laughs> too up. Too many of them anyway. No. Uh, so yeah, but the one clanking on the window and then flying away, that was incredibly, um, incredibly impressive. Robert Pattinson jerks off at 24 minutes. Yeah. You, you, you don't really get to see much, but you get to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He's he jerking then, off to that little idol he found in the mattress. Sure. Of the little mermaid. He then goes up to the lighthouse and finds uh Willem Dafoe naked and he's in the lighthouse. Uh, and then we kind of cut to them having an argument, and Willem Dafoe sort of mops the floor with Robert Pattinson, who says that he's working... Oh, what happens? He says he's been working... No, I'm sorry. He's... Willem Dafoe tells him he needs to clean up the floor. Yeah, he starts and... telling him that he's lazy and stuff, yeah. and like he's not doing a good job, and he's like... And then when, you know, uh, Rob starts like defending himself, he's like, I'll tell you what to do and you'll do it and you'll like it and he says he'll cut his wages if he uh, doesn't do it yeah and uh yeah pretty like i said mops the fucking floor with him um this this movie is also monologue city like these guys go on these rants oh yeah sometimes and they're using like weird ass like like not i don't want to say language because like yes the the dialogue but like they're using sailors like terms and shit yeah so it's like whoa like it it sounds very fucking natural that's all yeah it's organic absolutely um man working at a a lighthouse would fucking suck Uh, robert pattinson (laughs) has to uh, paint the lighthouse he's hanging from a fucking rope and willem dafoe's just sitting there holding him yeah and and it fucking breaks and he falls dude (laughs) oh my god it's funny how he's like he's like He's like easy, and he's like quit squirming around. He's like I'm not, and then yeah. it breaks, and like it's almost like, well, did he maybe cut it? I think we see the thing actually break. I think we do too. But I was but... like, fuck. Yeah. But you know what though? This movie leaves you really only questions. Yeah, uh, but I... in, a, in a good way, not like Prometheus. Ooh, I just had an epiphany about something I want to bring up. In this right now? No, okay, at we'll the end. Okay. Um. Then he wakes up, though, and a goal is sort of pecking at his leg. Yeah. Which I... It's like pecking at, like, a tear in his pants or something, too. Yeah, I would have assumed that he would have been, like, hurt or da- like from, from that, but he, he seems fine because he's immediately after that, he goes back. Um, and this is where he actually tells Wilm Dafoe to call him by Winslow. Mm-hmm. Ephraim. And then... Um, they talk about the lighthouse some more. <laughs> Robert Pattinson <laughs> some tells more him, lighthouse chat. Uh, Robert Pattinson tells him like his story about how he wants he came here to work to save up some money and then he wants to go buy land and live on his own. To which Willem Dafoe just pretty much tells him same old story. Yeah, and I was like, damn, that's brutal. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson continues being overwhelmed and isolated, and uh, weirdness just kind of follows. He also eventually watches tentacles. Like, in the lighthouse. He sees a tentacle when Willem Dafoe's up there. Yeah. He thinks he's up there, like, jerking off, looking into the light, and then we see the tentacles. Some well, slime drips down, too. Yeah, you start seeing some goopy, and it's kind of like, is this cum? That's what I thought. But then you get, like, you get a lot of it, though, and it's kind of, like, in a glob, and it's like, I don't know. And But and then, yeah, you see a tentacle quickly slink across the grate, 
And it's like, whoa, and then, like, next scene. Right. And this next scene is actually where the the well water is, like, black and sludgy. He's inside of the house, and he's pumping water. Okay, in. yeah, so we are jumping around a little. Yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. I just was, like, we kept bouncing between these parts. So I'm like, I feel like some of these parts are actually together. No, yeah, this is actually where we were getting, Right, okay. Yeah. He, um, he then goes out to this water area, and this is where he finds the dead gull on the water. Mm-hmm. And another one sort of, like, fucks with him and attacks at him, and he grabs it and bashes it yeah, to death. dude, he fucking, ooh. He ragdolls this thing into a bloody pulp. And, they, dude, they hold on it. He does it for a while. It yeah. is fucked he up. He fucked that bird up. I was honestly, like, really uncomfortable by the time they got done. Uh... This also causes the wind to change direction, quote unquote. I say that because it's sort of alluded to. Uh, Willem Dafoe claims it. We see the the wind change on the um, what are those things called? A weather vane. Yes, a weather vane. And uh, yeah, this movie's sort of leaning into the the like the what do they call it? Like the myths of the sailors because he kills the bird. The weather changes. Right. Shit goes bad. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler. Uh, so yeah, then, uh, they eat dinner together. Oh, sorry. Right before they eat dinner together. I'll cut that. The wind changes direction. A storm starts to come and they start to prepare. They end up boarding up some windows outside of the house that they're staying in as well as, uh, they go to get some lobster and uh, prepare with... <laughs> yeah, they just go to Red Lobster and have a nice dinner. Those biscuits! I should say, yeah, they get lobster with a trap that's been set. It's uh, an old-ass trap. Yeah. And they also end up digging up some provisions. I don't know. Maybe that actually is in a little bit. Um, but that is something that comes up at some point. The men then eat their dinner and drink together. They get really drunk and sing together and eventually tell stories. Right. Uh, Winslow asks Wake Now I'm going to use their fucking names Robert Pattinson asks Willem Dafoe Do you feel shame for laying down with a woman And Willem Dafoe says I don't feel shame for nothing Yeah. And I thought that was like such a funny like It's these two guys trying to bond Trying to have a moment telling stories and shit Yeah. Uh, but then they get more into arguing over the rules of the lighthouse And Willem Dafoe tells him that he's the boss And he watches the lighthouse Because one of the main arguments they've been having Is over the, the handbook, the rule book right. And how Robert Pattinson read it But mm, Willem Dafoe sort of has his own way of doing things Right, he's very protective of the light He yeah. he watches the light from night to morning uh, He's like, that's my job And he holds the key and, and keeps it locked And mm-hmm. he will not let uh, Robert Pattinson up there Yeah so, um, Willem Dafoe tells Robert Pattinson that his name is Thomas, and this is actually where he introduces himself as Wake, and, uh, they toast to getting off of the rock, which like, what Robert Pattinson toast is. Um, he then wakes up, Robert Pattinson wakes up, uh, and he empties these waste pots, I think is what they are, and then he ends up throwing up off the cliff. I'm assuming... Yeah, they had, like, uh... Yeah, I guess so. I thought it was chum or something, but I guess that doesn't really make sense. Um, he continues doing his chores and getting incensed, uh, but then he finds a, a washed-up body, uh, and it's a mermaid. It's on the rocks. Yeah. But then she wakes up and, like, laughs at him and starts screeching. Yeah, she uh, the siren scream again. These, like, nightmare sequences... Uh, I'm calling them that because they feel like a woken nightmare. Yeah. Like, it feels like somebody living in a real nightmare. They're effective as fuck. Like, Definitely. Like, watching them, I'm like, I'd be fucking terrified. Because <laughs> it feels like, oh, you're just doing your normal thing, and then this weird, surreal thing happens, and then it gets weirder. Well, and like, weirder. you know, like, uh, the thing that's always weird to me in dreams is how, like, I, I'll i be doing things, and it's justified in my mind, but then when I recollect the dream, I'm like, I'm like... That was so weird. Like, right. I knew what I was doing and it was right, but I know, like, in reality, like, that was odd. Like, re- like his So it's like you can't control what you're doing, but, like, it's normal. Right. So it's like him approaching the mermaid and, like, sitting there, like, pulling all the mm-hmm. seaweed. Like, you would probably be more like, oh, there's a body. I need to go tell somebody. Not, like... In reality, yeah. but, yeah, in your dream, you might be, like, sucking on this mermaid's fingers. Which is... He was about on the fucking road to there. Um... Anyways, 
Uh, Robert Pattinson tries to show Willem Dafoe, but she's gone, assumingly, because they go to the rock and stare, but there's, like, nothing down there. They don't show it, but they don't talk about it either. Yeah. Um, Robert Pattinson continues drinking, and Willem, Willem Dafoe tells him that they're low on provisions and that the ship hasn't come, probably due to the storm. And this is also where they start talking about... Well, uh, before this, actually. Uh, the talking. After they talk about the provisions not coming, the men go and dig up a crate filled with alcohol. This is what I was referring to. Um, they go and dig a, dig up this crate from next to the lighthouse. Yeah. It's literally just filled with booze. Right, okay. Uh, they go back and drink, and Willem Dafoe reads his book aloud. He's, like, telling stories from the book mm-hmm. as he's walking around. Thought that was kind of an interesting scene. Um, Robert Pattinson calls Willem Dafoe a liar, and Willem Dafoe li- uh, denies it. But then the men continue drinking and eventually begin questioning each other. Willem Dafoe gives this amazing prayer, and Robert Pattinson says, "All right, I like your cooking." Because they get into this like huge fight when Robert Pattinson's super drunk and he calls him a liar and all that stuff. Oh, it's huge! And then fucking yeah. Willem Dafoe like fucking monologues like crazy. It's the one of the throws in a hark Triton hark right in there. And then like after this all settles for a second, he's you know Rob Pattinson sitting there. And he's like, "All right, I like the lobster." Yeah, because you know like because they have this argument. Jeez, okay, <laughs> he gets kind of offended because Robert Pattinson says. <clears throat> All of his cooking is shit. And he's like, no, you don't like my lobster? Like, that's what Willem Dafoe keeps saying. And then... I think he says, you like my lobster. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. He's, like, telling him, like... Right. I, I, I really liked that scene. It felt really, like, cool and bombastic, but, like, kind of true to these characters. Right. And then it's even kind of funny at the end, too, because he's right. just like, all right, I like your cooking, fine. Uh, and then, like, like, we get the next scene. Like, he brought it back to, like, oh, we're just people. Okay, get your mad. Okay. You know? Uh, at the same time, though, they're both fucking psychos, and the one dude went off with his, uh, like, calling back the fucking, you know, sea gods right, and shit. Like, right. so, I, and I never, I never reference those. So... <laughs> So Robert Pattinson uh, takes a bread knife and tries to break into the lighthouse, but he breaks the knife. He then searches the cabinet, and there's nothing in it, which was a weird shot. Mm-hmm. I think he was supposed to be looking for the keys. Maybe. He eventually finds it. Yeah, well, so this is actually where he goes. Um, uh, he goes and sneaks into Willem Dafoe's room, and while he's sleeping, he's trying to steal the keys. He's, like, hovering over him. But then Willem Dafoe wakes up. Yeah. And gives him kind of a weird... He says, like, a queer way of wearing your shoes. Yeah. Which I didn't understand what that really meant. And then he says, sorry, I just didn't want to wake you. So, like, he's wearing his shoes, creeping up on him, and then says, like, queer way to wear your shoes. Maybe he means, like, because he's being light-footed. Yeah. Like, not trying to make noise, but he's like... I didn't quite understand that. I don't know the reference, really, but that's my take on it, I guess. Interesting. Like you're um, you're not a man you're not a uh, you know like a straight man you're not stomping around and like not giving it a care yeah weird I almost I don't want to dissect it I don't know um, <laughs> he then he just tells him to get back to work uh, Robert Pattinson pushes the wheelbarrow with water and a bottle in it instead of the coal this time yeah so it's we like see a bottle that he's, of like yeah booze he's just drunk and he's like kind of losing it yeah and they both are really I mean from here on out. Which, uh, Wake is, you know, it turns out he's also made of farts. Oh my god, dude. He farts so fucking much in this movie. And Rob Pattinson's sick of it. And I'm not, I'm gonna say, like, it's maybe funny, like, the first time, because you're not, like, expecting it. Honestly, I think it's kind of funny every time, because, like, it doesn't happen so often that I'm like, uh, it's just kind of like, oh, that's funny, I guess, but. Here's what I should say. It is funny, like, because it's a fart or whatever, but, like. (laughs) <laughs> they don't use it in, like, a comical, like, fart, ha-ha-ha way. It's more like to show you, like, A, this one guy has lost... He, like, has been so separated from civilization that he sort of just doesn't give a shit anymore. Oh, well, and they're just, like, two dudes. I mean, but like... he's also, yeah, he's also sort of ass- asserting his dominance. By farting? Yeah, by being like, well, this is my place, and just fucking farting everywhere. And he's always farting, like, on Robert Pattinson, too, if you notice <laughs> it. It's weird. Um... <laughs> Anyways, I didn't really think about that, but that's funny. Uh, so through flashback, we sort of find out that Robert Pattinson killed a man and let the body sink into some water and that the isolation is driving him crazier than ever. And he's losing touch with reality. 
He then goes to pull up the lobster cage, and that man's head is in the cage. Oh. Brutal. His number two. That was so fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, the eyeless Jimmy or whatever. They spend another night drinking and singing. Uh, then they get into a weird intimate slow dance that leads into a fist fight. It seems like a, it seems like a drunk, tired, like, yeah, okay, we're, like, kind of out of energy, but, like, we're still having a good time, and then... And then, like, Willem Dafoe kind of goes in for a kiss, but, yeah, that's... And then they get into, like, a fist fight. And it was weird. Rob Pattinson gives him a pretty good right hook, man, right to the gut. Oh, yeah. Uh, they then lie on the floor together, and Rob Pattinson reveals that he's lied about his he name. He spills his beans! He does. And he tells them not to! Yeah. Why just spill your beans? You know what that's reminiscent of to me? Jack and the Giant Beanstalk? Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, the gargoyle segment. Yeah, okay. Where it's Call like, back. Go listen to that episode, guys. That's a good episode. You should go it listen to that It was a pretty episode. good one. Uh, that's what this reminds me of a little bit. Just this, like, small segment. Yeah. Where, um, without spoiling that other movie, a character is told to keep a secret, and then when they let the secret out, There's, like, some consequences. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, yeah, he tells him that he lied about his name, the secret's out, and yeah, uh, Willem Dafoe daunts him with, why'd you spill the beans, dummy? <laughs> and and it echoes, dude, and he's gone. Like, that was eerie. I was like, that's fucking eerie, dude. I um, figured that was just kind of more of the art part of the movie, but... It is. I mean, but yeah, it's... It, it, uh, yeah. Well, so this pushes to Robert Pattinson trying to escape the boat on the... Or, escape the island on the lifeboat, but Willem Dafoe shows up with an axe and starts, like, uh, bashing it and says, don't leave me. Yeah. It was weird. Uh, he then chases Robert Pattinson around with the axe. <laughs> it's well, brutal. until he runs in the house. And... Sure, yeah. They get in the house, and this is where Robert Pattinson tells Willem Dafoe that he actually broke that mermaid uh, statue thing. Yeah. Uh, which I, we didn't really talk about this, but it's during him his flashback sequence where um, we learn about him killing the man. He's jerking off while this is all happening. Yeah. And this he is where... jerks off a couple times. Yeah. He ends up throwing the statue and breaking it in that moment. So this is where he reveals to Willem Dafoe that he broke the, the statue. Um, he says he's broken the curse, and Willem Dafoe's hiding something. Willem Dafoe twists the story and blackmails him with his confession, which was fucking crazy the way he did it. Because essentially... Um, he literally flips it on him. Yeah, he's, he's like, like you were just trying to destroy the boat and chase me with an axe. He's right. like, whoa. It's- which he does that again before, I think, when he talks about the provisions. He's like, you've been talking about uh, the boat coming and the provisions for weeks now. And he's like, this literally just happened. I just told you about it. That part was eerie, too, because he goes, how long has it been? Two weeks? Two days? Right. Oh, man, that was fucking creepy. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, he also, I mean, in this scene, too, Willem Dafoe explains that everything could be in his imagination and he could be freezing to death knee-deep in the snow. Yeah, back in Kennedy. Dude, that was a weird, like, scene because it's sort of like, it was just a weird elusive idea of, like, just imagine everything you're living through could just be in your head. Which it made me think, though, like, if I were in Rob Pattinson's shoes in that moment, which is funny because I just said, like, you wouldn't do that in this situation, but right. now I'm, like, doing that. What if he was, like, to propose, like, then I guess I'll just kill you and it's fine and it doesn't matter. Well, I mean. But that's the thing is with, Wake's character, he'd probably still defend himself. So then it's like, see, now that's how I know I'm not crazy. Right. Because I'll fucking kill you and you will fight back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Help. SOS. Uh, Zach's just sitting here with an axe looking at me crazy. Uh, I didn't take my pills today. <laughs> um, the heartburn ones. Like, it's It's burning up in there. Sorry, let me figure out where I just fucking was. <laughs> um, yeah, so then the men make some like weird bitter alcohol and get drunk together and hide under a table during the storm, which yeah. this storm causes the roof to sort of collapse and the house floods. Yeah, it's not sucks. looking good for these guys. Um, yeah, we then see like Rob Pattinson pissing and puking in the flooded water. That was really gross. Because well, it's funny because at first he's pissing into the pot that's like floating on the water, and he's yeah. trying to follow it. But then he throws up. Yeah, yeah. And then finds the book that Willem Dafoe's been reading, and kind of learns that all the stories he's been telling him have been bullshit. Mm. Um, 
And he also like beats him in the face and this is, uh, tells him to bark. Oh wait, hang on. <laughs> no, you're jumping. I cut a bunch. Yeah, sorry. Let me cut that out. Um, Robert Pattinson calls Wilm Dafoe a liar because of the book, um, and tells him he's tired of hearing him talking. And then they argue and it breaks into a fight. Robert Pattinson sees Wins, uh, sees L- Winslow when he looks at Wilm Dafoe, which is a weird scene because Wilm Dafoe gets like beaten down and he's on the ground. And then when Robert Pattinson looks at him, he sees the man that he killed and assumed his identity. Is that what it was? I thought it was himself. What was the blonde guy? No, that's later. Oh, okay. And so is the blonde guy the one-eyed guy? Yeah. You don't really get to see his hair when you see his face, I feel. Or no, maybe I... it's because of the black and white contrast. But you do see him turn from the other side earlier in the film. Right. In that first dream. The In the flashback thing, too, you see his hair a little bit when he dies. Gotcha. Uh, that yeah, that was a but, trip for me because I thought it was, I thought that was all Robin Pattinson right there. So hang on, before we go farther, because I don't think I actually like wrote down the scene that you were just referring to when it happens. Mm-hmm. But that scene was interesting. So yeah, there is a scene where Robert Pattinson's like fighting Willem Dafoe, but then it's him. Yeah, because he looks at the camera and you see both faces at the same time. It's looking like, at the camera the same way. Yeah. And then Willem Dafoe's character is naked. That's earlier. That's actually earlier in the film on top of the lighthouse that that happens. But they're like randomly standing on rocks. And Willem Dafoe's character is naked, like standing over them with like a weird fist. It was crazy looking. I want a painting of it. It was fucking cool. Fuck, dude. I need to watch this movie a fucking third time. Damn. Like I said, I still don't really understand it. So and there's I feel like I still missed a lot. Um, yeah, you, you gotta see it like at least twice, but that didn't help because I saw this movie months ago right? and then just revisited it. So it was kind of like, oh yeah, I remembered this stuff, but it was still like, oh. Yeah, it's an odd movie. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't think it's not, I don't think it's that much earlier in the film. Sure. Because is that when his lights are also, or his yeah, eyes his are eyes lights? Are lights, right, yeah. And it's, and the foghorn is like, yeah. Yeah. I want that as a painting. Dude. That's cool. That's that shot was cool. Um, I know what you're talking about. I think you're right. That's the same. That's that moment. Okay. That's the same moment. So, but so during this fight, when he's on the ground and he sees the Winslow guy or whatever, um, he then also sees the mermaid, which it's very boom. You get some fat mermaid pussy. I guess. Ew. Um, but then you also see uh, Wake as a sort of like. Sea God. Yes, I'm assuming this is Proteus. Yes, this is the Proteus. Re- I called him Poseidon because so, of the Prometheus part of everything, and that I didn't know the Proteus thing. So sure, which I'm not familiar with Proteus other than my surface level. Like I read a couple lines out of an article today to try sure. to get an understanding. Well, so how did how did you come across that? Did you read something about the movie that? Yeah, I googled uh, sort of like the lighthouse explained oh, okay. after I finished it to see if I could get a Robert Eggers' take on the movie. Right, and he brought the names up, and so I was like, okay, okay, gotcha. and I looked into him. Um, but yeah, he he looks fucking cool though. As this, it was like, pretty cool. Like, He's got this like kind of bone crown coming out of his head, and then like the bottom half is all tentacles. Right, very cool, very Lovecraftian, very cool. Uh, I had to keep the thing going kind of with the cosmic horror shit. Sure, and I appreciate that. Uh, The timing was too good. It was right. Robert Pattinson ends up, uh, like, beating Winslow's face in. and then You're killing me! This is where he tells him to bark and basically act like a dog. Yeah. Um, He then leads him out to the hole that they dug for the provisions, like a dog, and tells him to crawl in and starts to bury him alive. And (laughs) It's just like Cold Case Files. And oh, fuck. And while uh, while Willem Dafoe's like in the pit, he's like talking still while the dirt's covering him. Oh, and he eats some of that dirt, which I was like, "Do you think maybe they substituted it for something else that's edible?" No, I you don't. you think he ate dirt? And I don't because if you watch that scene, it's all one shot, and he crawls through the dirt on his hands and knees through the rocks up a hill. And that, dude, Willem Dafoe's an old man, and I was watching it like thinking, like, dude, he committed. So I think yeah, that's why real. I was, like, curious. Like, do you think they just got something that 
was edible, like maybe cocoa or something that, or I, I cake. Think, I think it was real. I think it was real. Probably. Um, and that could just be my biases because I don't know if I've like really, really said this on here, but like I, I love Willem Dafoe. I'm like a huge Willem Dafoe fan. He does. It, 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 he's like obsessed. It's kind of sickening sometimes. It's super weird. So if I haven't talked about him on the podcast, that's actually more weird than if I have. Yeah. But – Dude, he kills it in this fucking movie. And he I goes think, all out, dude. He became this character, this Thomas Wake. He does. I think the only time I didn't like him in a movie was Reservoir Dogs. And it's not even him. I just don't like that movie. Or not, I'm sorry, not Reservoir Dogs. I was Dogs, like, what? Sorry, totally wrong. The other uh, the other one. Oh, Boondock Saints? Boondock Saints. Yeah. The Reservoir kind of... Dogs wannabe, even though it's not at all, but... He's not even in that. No. Um, he's, he's in Boondock Saints, though. Right. Um... One thing I really liked about uh, Rob Pattinson uh, compares him to Captain Ahab. And that's a good way to get your understanding of how this guy talks. Because, yeah, it's very Ahab. Interesting. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Um, so, yeah, he, he buries him alive and he potentially dies. He then jumps into the fucking hole and has to take the keys off of yeah. uh, Wombo's body. He like kind of holds him for a second, and it seems like they're having this weird, crazy moment where he's like, "Oh, f-. he's like, I'm gonna kill you," and then like, "Oh fuck, what have I done?" And, right. But yeah, he just takes the key, and then it's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so then he doesn't he, even like completely bury him. No. He then goes back to the house to get a cigarette, but then Wombo appears with a fucking axe and hits him in the shoulder with it, which is <laughs> brutal, dude. Yeah. But then Robert Pattinson gets the upper hand and uses the axe to kill him. He hits him in the fucking head. Yeah. Uh, and then lights a cigarette and smokes it. And I am going to say by now in this point in this movie, I really wanted one too. Uh, <laughs> he goes to the I lighthouse. I could really use a smoke. He goes to the lighthouse <laughs> and he crawls up the steps. Dude, that would suck. It'd yeah. be so brutal. But I mean, Being I mean, all beaten up and shit. Yeah. Um, he uses the key in the lighthouse and the light stops spinning. Yeah, he gets up to it. Looks it, at it. It it's, opens. It stops spinning. It opens, which this is all very like the witch, Dream. midsummer, hereditary esque kind of stuff. Which... It's very the witch. The way the ending is sort of like yeah a revelation or mm-hmm. so, or something. You know, a sort of paranormal revelation. Um, and you see him, and he's like drenched in blood. But he's also screaming, and the scre- the, the audio is completely distorted. It's, yes, it's and, very, very cool. And he's, like, going crazy, and then he falls down the fucking stairs. Yeah. It also seems like the light gets brighter and brighter, and because, like, when you first see him staring at it, with the black and white contrast, like, there's a shit ton of blood on his face. Yeah, but it does get really But it gets bright. so bright that, like, it seems like it's been removed a little bit. The contrast But it's is, still there. It's, like, pushed to the max by the end of it. So I do think the the light was either getting brighter or they were pushing the contrast in the edit. Yeah. Um, he falls down the stairs. And then he wakes up. Now, well, Does is, he wake up? That's important. But also, let's talk about this scene and let's talk about how this scene ends because it might be really important to the beginning of this movie. Sure. Um... He wakes up on a rock and he's being eaten alive by a small group of gulls. Yes. The camera. It's more specifically, they're eating like his, his gut. His inside, yeah. Yeah. Um, the camera just sort of pans away. Or not pans, but. Um, it's it, like a slow. It dollies away. Yeah, yeah. Away yeah. From, the, from him. And uh, into the point that we get a sort of off white gray. Yeah. And you can vaguely make out the, the rock. It's the same shot that the movie opens with. Gotcha. The same exact shot. That's cool. So in a way, this movie is maybe cyclical mm-hmm. to this character arriving on the rock again and going through this insane cycle and it's starting over. Right. Um, that does not tie necessarily into Prometheus or Proteus, but no. I think that's a cool concept. So now I'm going to go back to the beginning of this movie and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you at the top. Do you see the Proteus and Prometheus connection and can you explain them to me? So I still don't know the Proteus much, sure. but yes, I do see that. Okay. So Prometheus uh, was a titan, mm-hmm. um, which what I read, I made sure to look into it today because I really wanted to bring this up because I didn't know if you were going to get it, okay. which I figured you probably would, but it's something I've known for a while. So when I first watched this, I was like, oh, shit. Right, sure. I was like stoked. Um, but the story of Prometheus is that he um, – they, they said he also made the humans out of clay. 
I don't know about yeah, but know, I don't whatever. think that's relevant to this. It's definitely not in unless it has to do with the porcelain idol thing he has, and then sees the mermaid. Sure, that could be it, but probably not. Yeah. I don't, Anyways, I don't. the whole thing is that um, Prometheus uh, went to uh, Mount Olympus, brought fire back to uh, man. Um, but Zeus punished him because he felt man wasn't ready for fire. Right. And the punishment is that he's chained to a rock where an eagle, which is the symbol of Zeus, uh, pecks his liver, eats his liver every day. And then overnight it regrows so that it can happen over and over. And back in old Greece, the liver was, um, thought to, uh, be like the storage of emotion or represent where your emotion comes from. Interesting. Um, so now Zeus is the ruler of the gods, keeper of the fire on Mount Olympus. I see. Wake. I thought he was Zeus. Interesting. Well, I thought, and because of the Proteus thing, I thought maybe he represented all of the gods. Which is also, I think, possible. Because I would think that's Poseidon. Sure. I mean, Poseidon is like one character that's been renamed several times, I want to say. I could be wrong, actually. But I imagine Triton is the same character. Yeah, I would imagine so. Triton, Poseidon, Neptune, they're, and... Look, they're derivative. They're right. all derivative, right? I would assume Proteus is the same thing. Although, is, being it so close to Prometheus, they could be actually completely different. Because... Uh, maybe. Just because if if it's in the same realm, I wouldn't imagine Poseidon would also be named as Proteus. I don't know. I, that might be a different right, sure, mythology altogether. Um. Yeah, I see. I didn't know the punishment of Prometheus, so that actually solidifies things a lot. That's the ending. Right. The gulls eating out of his stomach. Right. That's where he's Prometheus. So I have another question to ask you. And this is, obviously there's no right or wrong answers when it comes to hypotheticals and, and art movies specifically, but do you think that the Johns are the same person? The Johns? The Toms? Or the Toms, rather. Do you think the Toms are the same person? Uh, you know, I kind of thought about that because it almost feels because they, they both tell the like kind of the same story of that like they kind of let somebody they worked with die, but then they also, uh, you know, Wake keeps kind of referencing like, oh no, you did that, right? The things that he he does. flips it on him, but also his last name's Wake, so maybe like you know, waking up and like coming to like a real coming to a realization. He has to right. go through this person to come to an awakening. And ultimately that awakening shows him something that he didn't necessarily want. Well, maybe it means it more in the sense of like uh wake from the, your boat in the water. And sure. the other Thomas is, uh, or Tommy is how I was calling him, um, is swimming in his wake. So to oh, speak. sure. Fall like following. Exactly. Right. That's very interesting. Um, so, I mean, obviously this movie, like I said, like as a piece of art, uh, as a whole, I think that it's like kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, and also beautiful, but those two things do not make a good movie. Okay. Right. So, and I'm saying that because there are a lot of movies where the writing is great, or maybe the writing has an idea that's great, but it's not executed correctly. And I'm not saying that's not the case with, or I'm not saying that's the case with this movie, but mm-hmm. as an example, or, uh, you know, something we reference kind of often, like CGI is not going to make your movie good. Like, you know, good CGI is not going to make your movie, but bad CGI will break it. So like yeah. something looking good isn't going to make the movie as much as looking bad will break it. Okay. So with, the, with that being said, beyond the aesthetics of this movie being great, is this a good movie? If you're asking me and what my honest opinion... We're at that point, so let's do it. I say yes. Okay. And what is your score for this one? Before we... What are we scoring it out of this week? Oh, dude. Uh, big Fat Mermaid Pussies. How many Big Fat Mermaid Pussies <laughs> out of five are you giving this one? And, and explain yourself. Um, Man. I don't know if I, like... It's hard to kind of explain. I, I guess I'm just going to say it. I give this like a 4.5. Okay. Um, I thought this movie was shot really well. Um, I thought it was ballsy to do a black and white movie in these times. Um, but like 
the art of the whole movie, especially together, like it just works so well. Like oh. I couldn't imagine if this movie was in color, it wouldn't have the same effect. Um, or the same impact, I should say. Um, and then, uh, God, that two really great actors I wouldn't think go well together that end up being really great together. Absolutely. And I like how you have the the young man dynamic and the old man dynamic too. Um, and it's almost a little reminiscent of uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Mary-Kate and Ashley, Billboard Dad. That's oh, – there you go. Thank you. No, what did we just watch last week? Oh, Come to Daddy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Where it was like kind of like – Because it's broken relationship between an older man and a younger man. Yeah, exactly, and that's uh, it's just kind of reminiscent of that. But um, I'm going to ask you a question a week later. Yeah. Do you still dislike Come to Daddy? You know, what's really funny is I – the more and more I kind of thought about it, I was like, it's not – it's not a bad movie. It's a weird movie. It is a weird movie. It kind of alludes to, uh, you know, I think my problem with it was that I ended up having some expectations out of it that I don't know why I had those expectations. Sure. Um, and so that kind of let me down for the movie. And that's where I was like, man, this movie's not terrible. But, like, I'm not in love with it. But, like, it still kind of works. But I, I still was unsatisfied. Okay, fair. I will still say it's an unsatisfying movie. It was like, I've been waiting for the steak. It's gonna, it was supposed to be, like, an amazing meal tonight, and it was garbage. Zach ordered a steak, and they brought him a goddamn chicken. Yeah. Uh, Although I love chicken, so that so, would have right. been pretty good. I would have been like, well. So it was okay, but it wasn't what you were looking for. Uh, yeah, but in hindsight, I'm still disappointed. So okay, um, but yeah, uh, four point five cinematography score, uh, the the cool fucking mythology references into it that like I understood. I was just like, yeah, like yeah, this movie's cool, um, and I mean, I do think it's good, and I I but I agree, it's although I will say I do recommend it. But I'm, like, really being positive about that because I know a lot of people, like, in a general audience would probably be like, oh, that was weird. Like, you're giving it a generous recommendation. Essentially. But, like, I mean, if you're a fan of this show and you've kind of been uh, with us on the, like, at least one of us uh, throughout this journey in our uh, choice of movies and what we end up rating it on, I I would recommend this to you. Okay. So, Yeah. But in a you know, there's a general audience that's gonna like get blue balls from this movie probably. Sure. So okay, well then um I'm gonna say go listen to last week's episode on Come to or yeah, Come to Daddy. And I'm gonna give this I'm gonna stick to what I gave it today on Letterboxd. Okay. Follow me on Letterboxd. Sean Chang four oh. Uh I gave it a three out of five. Okay. With a heart. So that's why I like Letterboxd, because I'm able to give it a rating and then decide if I like it or not. So I can give something a one and then say I like it, right? Yeah. With that being said, if I'm being like, if if it, if it were me, you, and like Jacob and Darren talking, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, dude, four and a half. That movie's awesome. Right. It, it's, it's about your audience. Totally. Yeah. So... But it's talking to our audience, and, you know, I, I try to come into every episode assuming, like, this could be someone's first episode. So, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. But I'm going to still give it a light recommend. Okay. And if you like the movies that I like in the past and you're a follower, I'm going to give it a hard recommend. That's See, I was e- I was expecting, well, when you were talking about, like, what your score was before not yeah. giving it away, I was like, oh, shit, he's going to give it, like, a two. No, I, I still think it's a fucking awesome movie, and I think, if anything, it should be watched just to see it. See, I, but I was, I was, um, if anything, I was thinking you'd give it a, a better rating, but not a recommend. Oh, I see. That's no, what I, I was No, I absolutely expecting. recommend it to everybody, okay, cool. but I want to set the expectation that you probably aren't going to love it, and that's where my three comes in. Yeah, sure. Um... But for everything that you said, like, you know, and I, I kind of like throughout the episode kind of dropped this shit, but like this movie's fucking gorgeous. And yeah. like, the sound, the sound design alone is like Marvel is a Marvel. Like the way they use sound to kind of at first lull you. I feel like if I watch this again, I'm going to be like, fuck, I see mm-hmm. it all now. And it's so constructed. Well, that's so how well. it kind of was for me. But like, I, I wish I could have uh, like watched it with more of a straight mind and not had to like sleep on it for a night and go sure. to work and then come talk about it. You know, I almost, 
It's weird. It's one of the first times as of recent where I finished. I should have called out today and just watched it with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the first times recently where I've watched a movie and couldn't decide if I wanted to own it. Oh, I absolutely do. Like if I can find a good Blu-ray of this, I'm doing it. Because I I had to sit on it and kind of think like, is this something I'm going to want to watch again? But by the end of the movie, like, yeah, I think I really (laughs) do. Yes, I do. (laughs) And so... That's the that on that. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna end it there. That's. I'm gonna put a pin in it and say yes. I recommend the movie. I'm giving it out of three out of five. Both of us, I think, are gonna tell you to go watch this one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, now I know this is a little bit of a long one. Sorry, folks. It's not too bad. Um, it's not too bad but uh, I did want to propose this. I thought of it literally during this recording session here. But okay. do you think, with the uh, in the mindset of a hypothetical? Do you think it's possible that when Robert Pattinson's character, Thomas Winslow, uh, when he first falls painting the lighthouse, that he actually dies? And so that's why, like, when we see him wake up, he's, like, kind of in the same spot. You know, that crossed my mind while watching the film. At the same time, I kind of don't think so, but I was just like, whoa, that's kind of a weird thought. Here's what I'm going to propose to you as a counter-argument. I don't think... Any of it is actually happening. Sure. I think that it is all him addressing his death there on the rock. If that's happening at the end. Or, more so to your argument maybe, when he fell, everything that happened after that was him accepting his own death as he right. laid, laid there. And that's what I'm kind of getting at too. But my only other counter argument to it is like, well, how do you end up naked? Sure. Or or at least shirtless. And that could still be psychological, though. That could just be him psychologically accepting his death. True. But to my first argument about everything sort of being in his head is the beginning and the end of the movie being identical shots. Yeah. And it feeling cyclical. Yeah. So I almost feel like the whole thing is not to be taken literal. Sure. And it's all some sort of hypothetical, like, allegory. Yeah, it could be. I mean, we know it is, right, for Prometheus and Proteus, but... Mm -hmm. But for maybe something deeper than that. And maybe that's where the isolation and stuff comes in. What it really comes down to is just how fucking good Big Fat Juicy Mermaid Pussy is. Because he got it and you know it was good. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WAWWTPod. Um, you know, if you're not already, which I don't know how you're listening to this episode now, subscribe to us on the iTunes app, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, uh, Google Play. That's it. Just the five. The, I think that's all of them. The fifth. Plead the fifth, if you will. And listen and subscribe. And, you know, leave some reviews. Uh, it's nice to hear, like, what you guys think about this. Because we're just a couple of, like, regular dudes doing this in our own fucking free time. Yeah. So it'd be nice if, you know, people would tell us something. Even if it's bad and you think we suck, sure. But, uh, you know, say something to us. We got stickers still. We do. You want a sticker? And we got the online (laughs) store, which maybe I'll wait to address this, but we probably are going to be switching from Redbubble to someone else. Yeah, we mentioned a few episodes back, maybe a whole season back, I think, uh, that we have a store, but uh, it kind of hasn't really done anything yet. We we may be switching a distributor because uh, of some issues with printing. Nothing bad. I I don't have anything bad to say about Redbubble. We just need something specific that they maybe don't offer us. We want cool shit. Yeah. Do you want to wear cool shit? (laughs) Because we're trying to bring it to you. Tune in next week when Zach wakes up a bug. Oh, again. And and Sean holds off vampires in a bar. Mm. Peace, bitches. bitches. (laughs)